This is the For Freedom Podcast. That's going to have to be <laughs> the idea of deconstructing your faith, kind of tearing it down and evaluating what you believe and why you believe it. How shall they hear without a podcast? Right. It only stands to reason if the strength of sin is the law, well then the weakness of sin would be the grace. And now we're left with just a simple faith. There's only one system that is unlike the world, and that is the system of grace. What's up, everyone? My name's Jared, and you're listening to the first ever Episode 1 For Freedom Podcast. What is the For Freedom Podcast? Simply put, it's a conversation between Kyle and myself. And as time goes on, we really hope that others will join in, because it has been our experience that true, deep, real, unhindered conversation is completely necessary to navigate faith and life. And over the past few years, we've realized how valuable that conversation is and unfortunately, how little it actually happens. So, part of the For Freedom podcast is going to be our attempt to slowly chip away at the roadblocks to real conversation. What are those roadblocks? Well, I'm glad you asked. I know for some, it's fear or doubt or the idea of stepping into the unknown or walking away from something you've held on to your entire life. And for some people, it's even religion. Wait, can I say that? Who cares? So, as the episodes roll on, you're going to hear just that. Conversations about life, about our faith, and how it's changed over time. How we've walked away from systems we thought would never change and the uncertainties that follow. But also, you'll sense an undertone of peace and rest. Because there's only one logical choice when you step into the unknown, and that's to rely on God and His grace. And the more you do that, the more it becomes clear. God will never leave you, and He will never forsake you. Not because you're good, but because He is good. So today, we're going to start to scratch the surface on a couple of things like critical thinking in the religious system. Or, does God really reward performance? And before we jump into any of that, we're picking up right in the middle of a completely random conversation where Kyle and I are wondering if God talks to us through weird signs like the number 666. <laughs> what can that possibly mean? Well, stay tuned and join the conversation. So I was in the middle of, I was in the train of thought, and that is when we were there talking about that, your what, that that the six 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 thing. Oh, <laughs> you're like, are we still on that? This is how it starts. <laughs> the thing is, you were like, you said, you were like, yeah, but that raises a bigger question, and that is, does God really talk to us like that? Does Through, God does yeah does God talk to us in like really ambiguous, weird, indirect, indirect daily? Things you know, kind of daily uh, happenstances that would show up and be like, "Oh, oh, I don't." Is that God trying to say something to me? I don't think so. It, if I mean, if every day I come across the number six 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 for thirty days, is that God trying to tell me something? Thirty days, thirty days in a row. Mm, if you said uh, no. <laughs> You're like, 10 days? That's, no. It's a rain dance. 30, there's something there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not God. It's Nero or the devil. <laughs> That's who's trying to talk to you. Oh, man. So. Okay. Anyway, I guess I'm, I'm done with Are that. you worried? What if you have a dream tonight 
with that's six a- black sheep and six snakes. I what I wonder and six egrets. <laughs> what I wonder is, you know, when something is at the forefront of your mind, yeah, then you notice it way more. I agree with that. So, like, you buy a a red a new car. Yes, you buy yeah. a new car. All of a sudden. All you notice is cars that look like yours. I just got Sarah a new Mazda CX-5, and I, I can afford it because I don't tithe anymore. And uh, <laughs> Anyways, once we started looking at those, I see CX-5s see all, CX-5 all over the place. So then if I'm, if I'm like, for whatever reason, creeped out about the number 666, all of a sudden every time, because I'll tell you another one. I was traveling, yeah, and I came across something, and it was 1666. And I was like, there's still three sixes. There's still three sixes. (laughs) And you can't get more basic than one, so that might as well not even be in there. Oh. (laughs) You know. Okay, I'll I'll give you one. One time I was driving to work and I was literally thinking in my head how I hadn't structurally given in a while. And I'm like, what really is the impact of this? And I'm not kidding. The second I said, what really is the impact? A rock flew and hit my windshield, and it cracked. And, oh. <laughs> On impact. Kellogg. Pun intended. Impact. <laughs> impact. So <laughs> that You just got your answer. That's yeah. the impact, so, both literally and figuratively uh, and financially. Yeah. All, all and, the above. Safety. I could have died. So, all so, the ease. That's how he works. <laughs> So, oh man, you know, we laugh, but you laugh at your own demise. No, yeah. we laugh because it's true. A lot of it's it's not uncommon. Fifty percent of jokes are true. Well, it's not uncommon, and it's a proven fact that seventy three percent of the church believes in these things. <laughs> six 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 stuff. Right out of the gate. What's the podcast about? Sixty sixties. So- <laughs> The 666 podcast. I can't wait till that episode, the 666th episode. We'll have a lot to say. We'll have a Ouija board and a seance. We'll have a, and then we'll have so much preterist content to mm. drop. <laughs> you know, I I do think there's some utility, which is one of my new favorite words, and why are we I've even... noticed. Y- shut up, okay? I've... Why are we... Why do we... Are we even doing this? Why make a podcast? Do you want me to joke or tell a real answer? Whatever, both. Do whatever the flip you want, yeah. Kyle. Whatever the flip you want. <laughs> uh, why are we doing this? That's a great question. I kind of have no clue. I was thinking about it, um, and the simple answer, if it's simple at all, is I think podcasts have had a huge impact on my life. Well, Point blank. Okay, so I'll, I'm kidding. It's not that I have no... But the thing is, we do. We live in a world where it's it's one of your very only opportunities for no-name guys like us to share our thoughts and opinions. Exactly. And you know what? Nobody has to listen. And yet, everybody could listen. Boom! Would you be okay? I'd be okay. That'd be justification. Boom. By numbers. Um I just I like I've li- I like the platform of podcasts. I like that you can put ideas out there. One of the biggest things that's been a transition point for me has been genuine conversation about real things that you know are worth talking about, and that's all a podcast is is a conversation. True, right? True, and I think for me, 
to that point of what you're saying, <clears throat> for me, for a long time, it was, well, there are certain things you don't talk about because if you're talking about them or questioning them, uh-huh. then you are operating in doubt. Right. And that was kind of a cardinal sin. Well, and... If I can use that very Catholicly phrase, it was kind of a big thing you better not even consider doing is doubting what you've been taught. Or another way to say it is question or critically think about what you believe. Would you really say that they or it was a bad thing to critically think? Would I say that? Yeah. Well, I definitely wouldn't say it's a bad thing to think. No, but would you say that that's what the thought process was? Like there could be For issues me? if you critically no nah, like because we're we're kind of talking about you know the system we came out of and there was issues with critically thinking or that was a bad thing and I just wonder do they really think that's a bad thing? I think uh, I don't know I'm not I don't know I don't know that I necessarily want to talk in these but I'll talk in very even more abstract terms. Yeah. Of I think that a lot of people look at critical thinking mm-hmm. and are a lot of people think about critical thinking or they consider critical thinking to be a very to be a threatening thing that makes sense don't critically think about things they of course a lot of people would say oh no honestly they probably don't even uh, somebody that would say no i don't think that they probably don't even know what critical thinking is right i'm just being real and I'm they not, may not trying to be uh i'm not trying to be insulting i'm just saying that i don't think a lot of people a lot of people let me back up. I think a lot of people don't really know what critical thinking is, mm-hmm. and therefore, critical thinking is very threatening to them. Right. Took me a long time to get there, but that's what that, I was trying to I, say. I follow you. Because the foundation of whatever it is they've built, if you critically think about it, won't stand. Right? Uh, mm, I don't even know if they if people know that, but uh, you know maybe they maybe they look at it that way. Maybe they think yeah, they probably well, don't even know it. it. It maybe they look at it like as soon as people start critically thinking mm-hmm. about things, well now they're questioning things, and questioning is just as good as doubting. And doubting again yeah. is about the worst thing you could do. And would you say the reason critical thinking is probably an issue is maybe you're stepping outside of quote-unquote, following the Spirit. And so it's looked at as this, you know, because in that mindset, it's very much less of me, more of God. And so the more you critically think, that's more of you. And no wonder you're off in some thing that's questioning what we've done is you're critically thinking that's more of you, less of God, and you need to flip the switch and just believe. And The very idea of less of me, more of God, to me defines separation between you and God. Right. And that's one of those things that, to me, that no longer stands. There's a couple, at best, of scriptures that you can pull out to support this idea of, like, there's you, then there's God. God wants you to decrease so he can increase. I I hinted at one of them there. Right. Or God wants you to die on a cross because because he did. And you're going to carry it. Right. So, and what I found is when you look at the the context, the writer, the audience, you can get answers to those questions, but you have to critically think about it, and then you end up with a much better answer than, well, I guess I just need to die every day so that God can increase. 
And what does that really mean? Not, you're not really dying. It's just you're self-evaluating and you're, and you're looking at yourself like me. I'm terrible. I'm bad. Right. All the things I want in life must be selfish and bad. Therefore, I need to look at what I can, what I tolerate getting rid of. And I need to try my hardest to operate in the flesh of getting rid of those things. Right. Um, just recently within the last 24 hours, I heard the phrase faith deconstruction. I've heard that a lot. You have? Yeah. I had never heard it until within the last day. And the idea of deconstructing your faith, kind of tearing it down and evaluating what you believe and why you believe it. Now, mm-hmm. I think... Did you hear it as a positive? Like, is this oh, a definitely. good thing? Okay, I definitely okay. heard it as a positive, but I heard it as a positive. I understood it at me when I listened to it. I was like, yeah, that's a good thing. Right. That's probably <laughs> easy for me to say because it's probably exactly what I've went through over the last year or two two three years of my life easy and so easy for me to say yeah that sounds like a good thing but i'm sitting there listening to it and objectively i'm thinking "Mm, i could see a lot of people being like no way is that a good thing yeah and that's i don't have that thought i think it's a great thing i'm not scared to do stuff like that uh i was trying to really quantify or think about what's been the biggest change for me over the last few years Um, and one of them, one of the terms to me is simplicity. When Paul says, I'm what, I'm afraid that you're going to be distracted from the simplicity that is the gospel. And so if you're talking about deconstructing and tearing out a bunch of things that you thought were relevant, that to me sounds like it's, you're tearing away all the fluff, all the complexities that Mm -hmm. we've put on top ourselves, And now we're left with just a simple faith, which is ultimately... I don't know. It's proven the best for me. So if I was going to put a definition on a simple faith, if someone said, well, how would you define a simple faith? Yeah. You know, it would simply be, it would simply be, you believe Jesus was the Messiah. You believe Jesus died for you. Right. You believe that at his death, your sins were forgiven. Right. You believe he was raised from the dead. Yep. And you believe he lives in you today. And, and to me, everything in in addition to that would be a complexity that is, whether it's something you do, something you believe, I wouldn't even call it a complexity, but it's in addition to what the right. simplicity of the gospel is. And I would really say is. one more addition to that without making it complex is when he moved into you or when you became a Christian, he made you a new person and a new creation. So it's not just all your sins are forgiven and you're thrown out into the wild, left to your own desires, throw caution to the wind, he moved into you and made you a new person. Mm-hmm. And that's part of him moving in. And so, yeah, anything beyond that, you trying to make yourself a better person in God's eyes, that's it gets pretty complex when you go down that road. Right? Well, yeah. I mean, yes, I hear what you're saying in in regards to where you stand with God. Yeah, exactly. That's what's most relevant to me in this whole thing over the last few years has been that because I spent years thinking I'm making myself better in relationship to God. With every little thing I do, God's a little bit more happy with me. You know, I've had relative success in my career, and for a long time I definitely— definitely thought, well, it's because I tithed a lot. Mm -hmm. I gave as much as I could, you know, and that's why I have this success. And well, any, here's the, here's the thing. If I can, if I can talk about that a little, 
maybe a little more abstractly when you're in a system like that that thinks well i do in order to get um if i don't do well then i still get but i get bad right you know any any ups and downs you have over a lifetime in any area whether it be in your family in your career in your friendships in your you know just esteem with other people any ups and downs you have you immediately try to connect the dots of oh i had an up what did i do right that got me that 100 percent. oh i had a down what did i do wrong that got me that yep and you know either you have to believe that comes from god so god's putting good things in your life because you did good and then he's putting bad things in your life because you did bad or or withholding good things yeah, yeah. sometimes whatever you really think. dicey when you think well god's only good and he puts good things in your life however he also turns his back on you or takes his hand off of you. There's a lot of Christianese there. He takes his hand off of your life if you've done bad things, and he lets the devil get you. He lets the devil do bad things to you. Right. And and that's a, that's a very easy thought process to have. I had it for years. Yeah, me too. And if I'm, if I'm in a place right now, it's... You know, I, I could probably confidently say I'm over that and I don't buy into that like at all. Um, but there are definitely there, there can still be times where I have to where maybe it's going rough or I've been busy all week and really haven't even had time to think about it. And then you wake up and maybe you look back and say, man, things are a little crazy right now. And I will have to kind of resettle myself on the fact that, wait a second, my old thinking was. Well, if things are a little crazy right now, it's probably because I haven't prayed in five days. <laughs> and so I need to go pray for five times the amount I normally pray for the next five <laughs> days. I need to deposit in the bank so that I can withdraw whenever I want. Right. Goodness gracious. Yeah. It's exhausting. Well, it is. And I'll tell you the, the, the truth of it all is that it's never enough. And nope. you're definitely operating on a... On a on a fleshly merit system. Yeah. And the idea that you've already been given your full reward in Jesus, that's out the window. Yeah. The that, idea that you've been given all spiritual blessings, no way. That sounds, it sounds like, it almost is like, uh, <laughs> to me, uh, it's almost like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I have Jesus. Now what's what's for real in yeah. this for me? Right. And I didn't really know that I had Jesus because I thought Jesus came and left. Or the Holy Spirit or whatever. And part of my deconstructing was pulling that stuff down to be like, you know, of course I would have never said, yeah, Jesus is great, but what else is there? But by far, my actions and my conscience was telling me that that's what I believed. Well, yeah, yeah, Jesus is yeah. great. I got to do all these other things. I got to keep getting my jewels and my crown. And if it's not for now, it's for when I get to heaven someday because, you know, I want as big of a house as you, Kyle, when I get to heaven. You know, it, yeah. Well, yeah. To your point, yeah. I would have, I would have never said, you, right, right, right. Let's get past the Jesus thing and figure out what's this, what's really in store for me. But that's what that type of living system promotes. Is it promotes an idea of almost okay? So here's Jesus. You kind of, you kind of leapfrog past it to be like, but right. what else is in it for me? Is there more? Is there more holiness in it for me? Well, is there more? Uh, financial blessings to your, I know mm -hmm. you're, you kind of quickly rattled it up, but do I get a big fat crown when I get to heaven? Yeah. Do I get a big mansion when I get to heaven? A do city. I, do I get, I don't to, know. Do I get to, you know, it sounds funny, but do I get to be in some position of, 
authority when I get to heaven because I did, I performed well enough in this life and I curried that extra favor with God. So when I get to heaven, he's going to be like, you know what, Kyle, you really killed it down there. So now I'm going to put you in charge of this thousand people over and, here. And you know what that is? What I believe that is, that's, that's part of the human condition and how most things work in this world. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's very easy to then apply that to your it's, relationship with God. You it's perform how all things in the world work. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there's when you take that, that and however, say that's God, then you got problems. There's only however, there's only one system that is unlike the world and that is the system of grace. Amen. I'm not trying to sound all whatever. <laughs> but it's good. <laughs> I'm just saying that in the world, you don't get what you don't work for. Right. That's the way the world works. You don't get what you don't earn. Yeah. Relatively speaking. Isn't it ironic that, don't you think? Isn't it ironic Isn't that it ironic? God's system works differently than the world? It's actually not ironic, and right? So, Shouldn't so, it be different? Well, yes, yes. Yeah. Maybe ironic's probably the wrong word. But it, it's just, it's kind of mind-blowing to me to think only then and there with God are you going to get a system that doesn't reflect the world. And so... Uh, one very popular phrase for the most of my growing up in Christian life was, don't be of the world. Don't be in the world. You can be in the world, not of don't, the world. Yeah, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And um, and then another very popular one was, don't live after the flesh. Right. Don't, don't live in the flesh. And now I have two totally different interpretations of what those mean. One, don't be of the world. In other words... Don't go looking for some sort of merit-based reward well, system let's with God. For, for and then sake. even living in the flesh. If To me, living in the flesh is simply pursuing what you do and don't do in, 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 in accordance to your righteousness. You're right with God because of what you did, or you're not right with God because of what you didn't do, all that. Right. So when you go down that system, that road, that's where it gets extremely complex right? That's where things then become based on culture or based on whatever feels good that week, whatever doesn't feel good. Traditions of men. Yeah. So, I mean, let, let's, let's just go down this road for a minute where you have to not be of the world. What does that even really mean? Or, and well, I'll, I'll lump them together. Not of the world, don't live in the flesh. I'll say those are generally both the same from the way we heard it, the yeah. way I used to hear it. Yep. What does that even mean? That's uh, This is where you would critically think about it, and then if you critically think too long, you're going to realize, I can never not be like the world according to that system. So if you were asking me what I thought it meant for a long time is, well, the world, people in the world are out there doing a bunch of sinning. Like listening to bad music. Like listening to bad music, fornication, watching, watching rated R movies, fornicating, right, drinking, um, drinking. Uh, uh, there's cussing, cussing. Yes, you know there's not uh, tithing. There's there, well, yeah. Then there's the sins of things they don't do. It's they don't show up to church as many times as the doors are open. They don't give a certain amount of money to some local church. They don't read their Bible a certain amount of times every day. They don't pray every day. They stayed home and watched the Super Bowl instead of going they don't, to a building. They don't witness to people. You know, they, they're not compelling people to become a Christian like they are. So there's all those things. Right. 
and and the the general idea was that's the world. The world doesn't do those things, and they do do all those other things. Now, don't you dare be like them. Right. And I think we've kind of figured out this term or that makes it make sense to me is it's a man-made measuring stick. And every person's measuring stick is a little bit different on how they measure what's in the world and not in the world. To, to your point, it's very, very culturally relevant. Yeah, because there are things here that are terrible that are not terrible in another society. And so are they just wrong? I mean, in some cases they might be, but when you get down this road of what makes you of the world and not of the world, it gets pretty complex pretty quickly. Well, and how do you, you know, how do you evaluate those things and say they're, they're what? They're sin? Yeah. Or they're not? It's either, and that's where it's complicated. It's either sin or you're not walking in the will of God. You're in the permissive will, but not the perfect will because you're a little bit of the world, but not a hundred percent like the world. And I think another way it's said is you're not putting God first. Exactly. You know, um, and you, you have to die to yourself every day. How would someone even look at those things and say, those are definitely sin? Well, you have to measure them against something, which... Again, against what either... Here's the way I look at it. You either put it up against what's been handed down to you, probably from generation to generation. Right. Or you put it up against the standard... Of the law in the Old Testament. Exactly. That's where a lot of people want to draw some of it, is that's the measuring stick, the Old Testament law. And then it's probably just nine of the Ten Commandments. It's not all ten. What's the tenth one? The Sabbath. The Sabbath, yeah. Nope. Nobody, because nobody follows the Sabbath. And one of the most... So when someone says, no, you definitely have to be following the Ten Commandments for moral living in order to be considered a Christian... They're definitely leaving out at least one that is, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, according to the way yeah. that under the law, the Sabbath would have actually, in fact, been remembered and kept holy. Well, and I'll say this, I've kind of come full circle, well, not full circle, but completed some of these thoughts, you know, that uh, you can try to keep the Ten Commandments for moral living, but going to the Ten Commandments to determine how you're going to live is not going to bring you life. It's not going to enrich your existence here. It's not going to give you life. When when he said, I came to give life and life more abundantly, you're not going to get that by running to the Ten Commandments every day and saying, should I follow these or not? I mean, it's a good idea not to murder somebody, but that's not what gives you life. Now you're just, you're just told what not to do. So that... That's probably where it's going to get a little sticky for some people because they right. say, what do you mean I don't have life? I mean, I'm living. Well, when I determine life, I guess when I'm saying that, I'm saying the life of God, you know, what uh, fulfillment, um, uh, peace. What's the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy. You're not going to get any of those things if all you do is run to the law to figure out what to do and not to do. Some people, though... All right, so now we're critically thinking. Let's do it. I'm ready. Some people, though, definitely find fulfillment in their ability to follow a set of rules. Right. Does that edge right up against pride 
if you're getting fulfillment out of your ability to follow rules? Well, it could. I mean, I hear what you're saying, and yeah, I would, I would say so, but I think some people look at it like, I mean, that's God's instruction. So when I had to deconstruct, I really like how you put that because that adds some clarity to the way I've thought. If I have to go down that road, if that's my thought process of what am I keeping and not keeping and where am I getting my fulfillment or not, then it's based on whatever makes me feel good or doesn't. It's not really based on the true system of the law because the law simply brings death into your life. And that's a Christianese term, but it just, it doesn't, it will show you somewhere that you've fallen short. And if you come to accept that you feel good, that you're following the law or the commandments or whatever, then you've, uh, I will, I'll go as far as to say you've compromised somewhere and you probably just don't know it. Well, I think, and we're, we might be saying two of the same things, but I think one of the big things, and it ties right into the idea of you saying life. Yeah. <clears throat> and that is, it's very common to think, I'm righteous, or I'm in right standing, because those are, inner, we don't, honestly, the word righteous isn't used in our modern time, but. Righteous. Uh, unless you're righteous. Yeah. Unless, unless you're, you're from California. Unless you're in, in the church world. Right. Know, uh, but. Right standing, that's a com- more of a common phrase. Mm-hmm. I'm not in right, I'm in right standing with God based off of what I do and don't do. Exactly. That's what it all boils down to. Because I truly believe if you sit down with somebody who gets fulfillment out of following the laws as far as their relationship with God goes, then if you deconstruct that far enough, you're going to get to a point where they really think, well, I do these because it affects my right standing with God. It improves my the way God looks at me. And that may be a little extreme, but I, I, I genuinely feel that way. I don't think it's extreme. You don't? I think there's a lot of... A, a lot. I would put both hands in the air and, and say that I definitely, I definitely used to fully believe what Kyle does determines where Kyle stands with God. Yeah, and if it's not where you stand with God, it's how you will spend the rest of your life when you die and go to heaven and, and the quality of life that you'll have there. If it's it, it just there's a million things you could drop in there and say, Well, of course God's happy with you, that's what grace is. But if you want his favor, you're gonna do all these things. Or if you want to I know we keep going back to this, have lots of rewards in heaven, then you gotta do all these things. And so it's it's just a human condition to immediately be drawn to performance. And what has become faith for me in its truest sense and, and you know putting your belief in something you may not feel at times is putting the faith in the fact that I am righteous, I am in right standing with God regardless of what I do. Regardless. I, that takes faith for me. So I'm going to play the advocate over here. Yes. And say, how? How? What do you mean? How are you in right standing with God, regardless of what you do? Because it's not based on what I do or don't do. What's Um, it based on? It's based on what Christ did. That's why it's called the finished work. You know, the whole reason that Christ died on the cross as the final once-for-all sacrifice is so that all of the judgment that needs to happen to sin would be taken care of. Um, it's it's mind-blowing that Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
The very next scripture, verse 24, says something along the lines of having been justified having by been, his grace. Exactly. So the all who have sinned and fallen short has also been justified freely by his grace. And then, you know, in Romans, it's very clear. If it's works, it's not grace. And if it's grace, it's not works. And so when you walk through that entire mindset, you get to this conclusion where, do I really think I can impact my right standing with God or how he looks at me? And if I do, I'm either not fully believing the gospel or I don't think what Jesus did on the cross is good enough. So, so okay. All right. So, I know this is elementary, but that's good. Yes. Right standing with God is only a free gift that can be believed in. Exactly. You you can't earn it. You can't lose it. It all settles on, I never knew God was this good. And His goodness is a very natural part of my life. And my relationship with God is a very natural part of my day-to-day life. And right. I... I'm going to fit it. This is a thought I wanted to get out real quick too is that's a thing that for a while was a was a was grinding in me that I really thought, man, you really got to have these supernatural experiences with God mm. daily. Mm. And if not daily, you know, once a month, but the guy who's having it every week has a closer relationship and the guy who's doing it every day. And so you you really had this less of me more of God mentality and you know man if I'm feeling like I'm I'm doing well at work and my life's normal life's going good I like watching football games I like eating food just doing things uh, that must be because I'm sacrificing in my relationship with God and the one mm-hmm. thing that has been a game changer for me and so much fun is how natural your relationship with God is and how it's a normal part of my life. Okay, so I like what you're saying right now, but I want to put this, I want to hand you this hat and then I want you to put it on for a second. Okay. I have kids and I also hate soccer. Yeah. One of my kids started playing soccer and they asked me, Dad, do you like soccer? And my response was, I like soccer. Because I know you like soccer. Yeah. Now, maybe to some people that sounds a little condescending, but the true heart of a father, and I I truly mean that, I don't like soccer. I don't like watching soccer. I don't like anything about soccer. But But the fact that I I saw her out there having fun, enjoying it, and and I got her feedback over a season... That said, she really liked it, enjoyed it. She met some friends. She had a good time. We got good pictures, all that junk. I immediately had a, a heart that said, you know what? I like it to the same level that you like it because you're my child. And the things you like, I like. And you're talking about God, about the things that you like as an individual. You like football games, you like this, you like that. Mm. And this idea of thinking that those things must be in opposition to a God. The heart of a true father says, you know what? If you like those things, I like them too. Right. I'm with you. Whenever you have a soccer game, you better believe dad's going to be there. Whenever you tune into a football game, spend some time with friends, the goodness of God is you better believe 
dad's going to be there. Because one of the foundational scriptures is you've been set free for freedom's sake. Nothing more. Go live life. And I'll be there. I'll be there with you. Let's go. Hmm. And, you know, when you go down a route that maybe I see something, I might start nudging you, but I will never leave you. And I'm going right with you through whatever you do. And that has been one of the most peace-bringing things to me. And that has really, that shows fruit in your life. It really will. And that's that's what I, and if I want to get across to people, it's, man, he wants to be with you and, and likes the things you do. And it's incredible.